Grace and mercy and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I was attending a pastor's conference a few years ago. Really didn't know anybody at this conference. It was kind of multi-denominational, even non-denominational to some extent. Ended up sitting at a table with a group of maybe seven, eight, nine other guys. And a question was asked. In fact, the guy next to me turned and said, do you have a successful ministry? I said, yeah, I guess. He said, so, how much money do you make? And I said, what? He said, well, how successful are you in your ministry? And I looked at him, and he says, come on, how much money do you make? And I said, well, I don't know. He said, what do you mean you don't know? I said, well, I'm one of those guys whose wife calls him handsome every month. You know, handsome over. I'm just kidding. I, but for years, I've, the paycheck's always been in an envelope, and my biggest contact with my paycheck, for example, for the last 13 years of Lord of Life, was to take my paycheck out of my mailbox and put it in Nancy's. Rarely, if ever, opened it. Rarely, if ever, knew how much money... I was making. And this guy said, well, how do you know how successful you are if you don't know how much money you're making? That's pretty weird, isn't it? What is the secret of success? Well, if you're like that guy, he tied it all together with money. In fact, the world certainly sees it different. Not long ago, I, I read a guy said, here is the secret of greatness it is power, prestige, position, and plunder. Now, that's really about as exact opposite as you can get from what the Bible says. Because in Matthew chapter 20, in verse 26, Jesus says, whoever wants to become great, in other words, whoever wants to become successful, must become a servant of others. And then if you skip down a couple of verses further, verse 28, Jesus says, I did not come to be served, but to be serve other people and to give my life as a ransom for many. In this other pastor's way of thinking, for me to become successful, I had to be more like whoever made more money. My Bible says I'm to be more like Jesus if I want to be successful in life. If I want to be more like Jesus, what do I need to do? I need to learn to serve other people and I need to learn to serve God. This morning, I want to clarify some biblical reasons why you and I ought to be willing to give our lives not only to God in service, but in our lives for those people that God loves as well. In fact, this morning I've got, if you've looked at your message outline already in your worship folder, I have a dozen reasons for you. And so I promise you that because I have 12 points in this message, Next Sunday, my message will be pointless. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> One would hope it wouldn't be pointless. But I want to share with you pretty quick this morning 12 reasons why you ought to be really happy and more than willing to give your life in service to other people, service to God. And these are all biblical. Here's reason number one. I was created for service. And not only was I created for service, so were every last one of you. In the reading that we all shared before from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, 
You know, we always remember the meat and potatoes of our faith. You know, it's for by grace have you been saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But we forget about the dessert. The dessert in verse 10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Jesus Christ for what? To do good works. Now, not good works to earn our salvation. Another word for good works might be ministry. And it says God has prepared all of them in advance for us to do. The Bible says that you and I were put on this earth. We were created for a reason. And the reason that we're here is to serve. God says, I created you for ministry. I created you for service. Now, we're almost, I think we've pretty much unpacked every box in our house. And we got a few, maybe. But in one of the boxes that I was unpacking one day, I found a flashlight. And I tried it. It didn't work. When I opened it up, you can guess why. Because the batteries inside had corroded and they had leaked. And not only were the batteries ruined, the flashlight was ruined as well. Now, why is that? Very simply, because batteries are made to be used. I hate to put it this way, but human beings were created to be used too. Maybe a more polite way is we are meant to be in service. And when we're not serving God and when we're not serving other people, we get corroded on the inside too. We get ruined on the inside. So the very first reason we had to, God, that's the reason God created us. Here's the second reason. I'm saved for my service. You realize that's why God saved me for service. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, it says, It is God who saved us and chose us for his holy work. Isn't that neat? He saved us and then chose us for his holy work. Now, what is his holy work? The Bible word for that is ministry or service. In fact, I tell you that when you read your Bible, particularly in the New Testament, Anytime you see the word service in the Bible, it's the same word as ministry. Anytime you see ministry, it's service. We were called to do what then? To serve. Serve God. Serve other people into ministry. God has put us here on this earth for a whole lot more than watching television, taking up space, eating barbecue, and having a good time and die. There's a whole lot more to this life than that. God has something prepared for every last one of us to do in some way, someplace, somehow, somewhere. And part of that is your service. In other words, we were left here for a reason. A couple of months back, I was channel surfing. Y'all done that before. You know how that goes. 8,000 channels, nothing to watch. And I happened to catch some bodybuilders. Now, one guy was all buffed up, and he was pumping up you know, the steroids or whatever. And when he was done, he stood there. You know, he can't get his arm down to his side. And the announcer says, what do you use those muscles for? And the guy went, mm, pumped up again, and the crowd went wild. And the announcer says, well, that's really nice, but what do you use those muscles for? And so the guy gave another, you know, the big Hulk job. And, and the crowd goes crazy again, and the announcer said, that they're, okay, that's really nice, but what do you use those muscles for? And, you know, I thought about it. The fact was he had absolutely no use for them. He only had muscles for the sake of muscles. So let me ask you, friends, why do you come to church? Why do you read your Bible, or better yet, study your Bible? You know the difference between reading and studying it, don't you? It's called a pencil. That's the difference between reading and studying it. Why do you do that? 
Why do you go to Bible studies? Why do you pray? Why do you develop spiritual muscle? Is it just for you to stand up in public someday and say, I got it, check out these biblical biceps. See, the Bible teaches us very clearly that maturity is for ministry. If you want to say, I want to be a grown-up, buffed-up, built-up, mature Christian, then, friends, you're not going to do that until you start using your spiritual muscles for the purpose for which God helped you build them. See, maturity is for ministry, and muscles, spiritual muscles, have a reason. Here's number three. I was called by God to service. Now, some of you might say, well, hold on, that's me out. Pastor, you're the only one we ever called. Ah, too late. You called the wrong guy, then, if that's what you think. Because every last one of us here is called. The Bible says that when you accepted that call of salvation, when you stepped across the line, when you received Jesus as Lord and Savior, when you signed up, you were called to ministry. When you said, I want to give my heart to Jesus, when you said, I want to have my sins forgiven, you also said, and by the way, I'm willing to serve you the rest of my life, anytime, any place, anywhere, anyhow, with any who. Now, not all of you are pastors, but every last one of you is a minister. I've seen that in, in church bulletins. Maybe you have too. It says, Pastor, Dr. Barry Culp, ministers the rest of the church. That's the way it ought to be. How many pastors do you have here? You got one. How many ministers do you have? Well, today, you know, over 100. That's the way it ought to be. Anytime you use your God-given abilities, whatever they may be, and you do it was for somebody else, and you do it in the name of Jesus, you're involved in ministry. You've been called to do that. Here's number four. I've been gifted for service. I've been gifted. 1 Peter 4, verse 10 is a, a wonderful passage. It says, God has given each of you some special abilities. Now, do you understand that? If, you, if, if you're really a Christ follower, if you're not as good as Christian here today, God gave you some gifts. You know, I think about, here's a little winter, barely scratching the surface in terms of ministry, but God endowed her with some gifts. We don't know exactly what, they're, what they are yet. For some people, it's pretty evident. There are some people who have the wonderful gift of hospitality. There are some people who have the wonderful gift of teaching. Some people have the wonderful gift of, of healing. Some people have, they have all kinds of gifts. God has given them to you. And, and then he goes on in 1 Peter 4.10 and says, Be sure to use them. To use your abilities for what? To help each other. What other gift God has given you? The gift of mercy. The gift of giving. Use it for some other people. That's called ministry. That's service. And if you've given your life to Jesus, again, I'll say it one more time, then God says you got a package of abilities to share with other people, to help other people. I go back to the first time I visited a prison. And they said, we'd like to have you all come back. And I thought, well, okay, if I went back, what could I do? And then I thought, I'm a teacher. I can communicate with people. That's what I can do. That's the gift God gave me. God gave me the ability to organize some things and present it to people. That's ministry. That's my ministry. That's my service. That's above and beyond just being a pastor. Let me give you another reason. Here's reason number five. I'm commanded. I'm commanded to serve other people. Again, in Matthew 20, verse 28, 
Jesus said, your attitude needs to be like mine. I didn't come to serve, but to serve. Or not to be served, but to serve. Now, again, I, I know a lot of Christ followers, or at least people who call themselves Christ followers, Christians. But they're not involved in any ministry. And I'm saying there's something wrong with that picture. That's kind of like joining the army and not wanting to be in a platoon. You know, that's kind of like saying I want to be a professional baseball player, but don't put me on any team. It makes no sense whatsoever. To be a Christian means to have the attitude or the mind of Christ, and Christ said, I came to be served, and if I want to have his mind, what am I going to do? I want to serve. But human nature says, no thanks. No thanks. I mean, come on, pastor. Who's going to meet my needs? Who's going to help me with my hurts? Who's going to help me? Oh, man, we've got a world... It also makes me sick sometimes. It's all about me, 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 me. I remember a little kid in the store one time, last place we had, threw himself down the floor, and he starts throwing a tantrum, and he said, I want what I want when I want it. And I thought, I'd love to give you what you need when you need it right here. <laughs> you know, I remember the mother saying, what's a mother's to do? I thought, let me show you. You know, but the Christian takes that stuff and turns it all around. The Christian says, whose needs did God gift me to meet? Who can I help? Who can I serve? See, now, if you're still on the, hey, what about my needs? You haven't grown up yet. You're just a little baby. You're still out there sucking the nipple on the Bible. That's what you're doing. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just saying you're kind of weak. You're kind of immature. It's time to grow up and put those biblical muscles to use. See, mature Christians say, whose needs can I meet? Because guess what? You find out that the more you give your life away, the more God blesses your life. When I worry about the needs of other people, guess what? God takes care of me. It has been said that a mature Christian is interested in service. An immature Christian is interested in service us. Here's number six. It proves I belong to Christ. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't save you. It just kind of shows you actually are a Christian. Romans 7 verse 4. You are a part of the body of Christ and you belong to him. And then it tells you why. In order that you might be useful in the service to God. I thought about doing this this morning, but I, I already used my own baptismal order if you didn't figure that out this morning but you know when we baptized winter this morning it reminded me back in new testament times whenever they welcomed a new member and let, let me just use her in this context what they would say would be this they would say welcome winter jesus now has a new pair of eyes to see with jesus now has a new pair of ears to listen to the hurts of other people jesus now has a new pair of hands to help other people. Jesus now has a new heart to help others with. Isn't that great? When you were born and received into Christ's kingdom, whether that was by baptism as an infant or whether you walked the aisle or you knelt down in front of a TV set in some hotel room watching Billy Graham, I don't care how it happened, God had new eyes and ears and mouth and hands and feet and heart for one purpose to serve other people. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. I could preach on this all day, but I won't some other day. 
But it says that's one reason God gives you a pastor. It says he gave somewhat to be, what, evangelists and prophets and pastors and the pot, but for what? For the purpose of equipping you, that's you, to do what? Works of service. Here's number seven. My church family needs my ministry. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. All you together are one body of Christ, and each of you is a separate and necessary part of it. Let me ask you a biological, spiritual question. What happens when one part of your body stops functioning? Some of you know exactly what happens, don't you? You get sick. And if you don't take care of it, you die. Well, if you're a Christian, you're not a part of the body of believers. You're a part of the body of Christ. There's a big difference. If you're not functioning in your called and assigned role in the body, guess what? You make the rest of us sick. Well, am I telling you the truth? You might not like it, but it's the truth. That's what it says. If one part is hurting, the rest of us are hurting. God says we're all needed. We're all needed in the body of Christ. Now, the strength of First Lutheran Church is not its pastor. You get that? The strength of this church is not me. It should never be me. It should never be any pastor. The strength of any church ought to be the attending, serving, worshiping members. That ought to be the heartbeat of the church. The people who are taking the good news of Jesus on the road, out the front door, ministering and caring and serving. Sure, I might have a special function called pastor. That's okay. But it doesn't keep us from all being in this together. Here's number eight. Serving others is a way to serve God. I'm not going to read all these Bible facts. I just found so many of them, but I'll just give you a few examples. Colossians 3.23. It says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if working to the Lord. And you go, well, Pastor, does that mean if I'm flipping burgers at McDonald's or Whataburger? You betcha. You don't tell me you can't work at McDonald's for the Lord? Then I wouldn't hire you. I mean, if I'm, I'm just sitting there taking notes in some office someplace or I'm bagging groceries someplace, I can do that to the Lord? You betcha. You ought to be the best employee that God has working at that place. Jesus said, whatever you do for others, you do for me. There's another one. I, I won't read the whole passage, but you can read this in Matthew 25. Remember when they separate the sheep from the goats? And God says this. You know, they, they, he says to them at the end, uh, come, come into my kingdom. He says, because I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you gave me some clothes. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. I was sick, you looked after me. And when I was in prison, you even came to visit me. And everybody goes, we never saw you, Jesus. And Jesus said, whenever you do that, to the least of these, my brothers. Now, there's a little clue there in the text. The least of these, my brothers, said, we even start doing that in our own family. And what a shame and what a tragedy that we'd let anybody in the family, the body of Christ, suffer start there and we spread out from there and jesus said you know whenever you do that to something to, to anybody else you're doing it for me here's number nine I, I serve because i owe everything 
to Christ. I'm a debtor to Jesus. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Because of God's great mercy to us, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service. You know the problem with being a living sacrifice? It gets hot on the altar, and some of us want to crawl off from time to time. But he says, be a living sacrifice. After all, who is the greatest living sacrifice there ever was? It was Jesus. Jesus sacrificed his life for me. He sacrificed his life for you. And even if Jesus never did another thing for me, I'd still owe him my life. Now, if you ask me why I serve or why I'm a pastor or why I work in a prison or why I do any form of ministry, I'll tell you, I don't do that out of duty. I don't serve God out of some fear like he's going to smack me with a lightning bolt somewhere. I don't serve God out of any sense of guilt or anger. I merely serve God out of gratitude. I, I'm just as happy as a clam at high tide. I'm as happy as a hog and slop what God did for me. What can I possibly do to show my gratitude? Let me give you four simple little words. His love. You pile everything into that, and over here is our response. How do we respond to his great love? Like you, friends, I owe him my life. He saved my life. He says, because he saved, I'm going to have a life that lasts forever. All of my sins are forgiven. He gives me the power I need right now in the present. Does the same for you if he's your king, if he's your Lord, if he's your Savior. And because of that, man, out of gratitude and joy, not out of duty. This ought to be the happiest group on a Sunday morning. We get to serve Jesus. Here's number 10. I serve because service makes life meaningful. Service makes life meaningful. Jesus said if you try to keep your life for yourself, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, for the sake of the gospel, you'll find true life. People often said, why do you like going overseas and doing that? I, I said, you know, I just love missions. In fact, I'd, I'd rather die on the mission field than get run over by a car in the Walmart parking lot. That's the way I put it. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather burn out, you know, than just fall apart. See, if all of us are giving our lives away for something, every last one of you here, I don't care how old you are, you're giving your life away for something. The question is, are you giving it away for the right reason? I mean, when you die... I mean, is all you're working for, you're just out there working and slaving so someday you get the, the gold watch? Big deal. Everybody I know is trying to figure out how to live longer. There was even a, a show or uh, one of the tabloids lately about trying to figure out how to live longer. And I say, friends, that's not the reason, that's not the issue here. It's not how long you live, it's how you live. I mean, it, it's not the duration of your life. It's the donation of your life. When you know God's plan for your life, and Jeremiah says, I got a plan and a purpose for you, you might even say, God, I don't know everything you got in store for me, but I'm going to start serving you in some simple way. I'm just going to give you back this life you gave me. Guess what? It pleases God, but I'll tell you, it also gives you a certain sense of fulfillment and satisfaction and some significance. Number 11, I'll be held accountable someday. And so will you, by the way. 
We'll all be held accountable for our service. One day, God is going to have every one of us stand in front of him. Let me use our youngest member, Winter, again. Someday, God's going to have Winter stand in front of him. And God is going to say, like he says to all of his children, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with Jesus? That's the big one. But what did you do with all of the talent and the ability I gave you? What did you do with your spiritual gifts? Did you use them to help somebody else? Did you, were you ever unselfish? Did you ever uh, give anything back? Or were you just a taker in life? You know, were you a giver or were you just some selfish little creep? Now, I don't know how, what your response is going to be. I bet there will be a lot of people going to hang their head and they're kind of diddling their foot in the ground. It's like, oh, God, I'm really sorry about this. You know, I had some great plans, some goals that I thought would be really cool, but I never got around to getting in on your plan. I was just too busy to have a ministry. I wonder what God's reaction is to that. I'd say God going, hello? <laughs> you think I put you on this earth to serve yourself? I mean, the real happiness and joy I had for you was all wrapped up in giving your life away. You miss it, you got the wrong answer. What were you thinking? There's one more reason. I serve because I will be rewarded in heaven. Now, that sounds kind of interesting. I get a reward in heaven. Now, I, don't, I can't tell you I'm not doing it. I just know I'm going to get one someday. It doesn't get me overly excited, but it does in a way. John 12, 26, it says, My Father will honor anyone who serves me. I said before that when somebody steps across the line to become a Christ father, there's a celebration in heaven. But we all know that God is planning a big party someday at the judgment for everybody he brings home. What a grand family reunion that ought to be. And when we're up there, one of the great things the Bible talks about is when you get to the gate of heaven and God looks at you and says, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm waiting for those words. And then he says something beyond that. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Few things. And I'm going to put you in charge of many things. And then he says, come and enjoy your master's happiness. Now, today, wherever you are, wherever you go, whatever you're doing, what if somebody came up to you and said, why in the world should I put serving other people or serving Jesus at the top of my to-do list? What would you tell them? I just gave you a list. Were you paying attention? Let me give them to you one more time. Here's why I serve Jesus. Here's why I want to serve other people. I was created to do it. I was saved for service. I've been called by God to service. I've been gifted. I've been commanded. It proves I belong to Jesus. My church family needs it. Serving others is a great way to serve God because I owe everything to him. It's because service really makes life meaningful because I'm going to be held accountable someday and someday I'm going to be rewarded for it. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you about the greatest servant 
there ever was. The biggest and best reason to serve is spelled J-E-S-U-S. -S. A lot of the reason why people don't get it is because they really don't understand Jesus very much. They don't get him either. There's no reason why any of us should have to walk out of here this morning and not get Jesus. He's free for the taking, if you will. He's free for the asking. Every time I see a cross and Jesus stretched out on the cross, someone said one time, that's like a large heavenly hug. He's got his arms out here and just says, I want to take you all in and make you mine. I'm not sure where any of you are on your faith walk today. I know that from time to time my faith walk is kind of like that guy in the Bible that says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Maybe some of you are new to the faith, searching out the faith, researching the faith, trying to figure out where the faith hits your life. Friends, don't walk out of here this morning without knowing how much Jesus loves you, how much Jesus cares for you, what Jesus has done for you, and what Jesus wants to give you, and what Jesus wants to empower you to be able to do. And it's as simple as just saying, Jesus, man, if you can do all that for me, I want you in my life. That's about as much as it would take. And Jesus said, if you say that, bingo, guess what? you got the Holy Spirit. you got the resident president in you. In the communion dismissal this morning, I said, having now received the precious body and blood of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, go in peace. That's really a good thing to be able to go in, right? Powered by the Holy Spirit to serve Jesus, who loves you, with great joy. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we... No, it's easy to get so busy and wrapped up in our own plans that we often say we don't have the time or the energy for the important things. And yet we want so much to be like your son, Jesus. We want to live a great life. We want our lives to count. So help us find a place of service and ministry where we can be unselfish, where we can develop our gifts and express our love and gratitude for all that you've done for us. Today, Father, we commit to serving you for the rest of our life, even as you have served us and even as you have served this whole world. And Father, may we do it in love and with joy. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Receive the Lord's blessing. Lead us, Lord, step by step.